Welcome to the Forward Healing Project. This is a weekly podcast where we acknowledge the challenges and grief experienced with infertility and miscarriage. Through honest and real talk, we will share stories, explore emotions, and seek healing by reclaiming, redefining, and renewing what it means to heal a hopeful heart. Welcome to the Forward Healing Project. I'm your host, Whitney Allen. Today, I'm going to talk about the things that infertility robs us of, but I'm also going to talk about the things we gain. And it may not feel like it, but there are a few. Infertility is kind of like glitter. It gets on everything. It feels like you're never going to get rid of it, and it creeps up in the most unexpected places. And people always want to know where it came from. Infertility separates us. You are now a member of a club you didn't know existed and never wanted to be in, but you find yourself in it. And the impact is pretty quick. The first few months, you're still able to talk about the TTC trying to conceive with your friends and family. And then around month six, it starts to get awkward. And then you spend another six months starting to pull away and you find yourself a year in. And now the real separation begins. You start to have tests run and explore treatments. And the first thing you're robbed of is the freedom of not knowing what day it is. When you're trying to conceive, you know exactly what day it is, but not on the calendar, in your cycle. I never didn't know what cycle day I was. After a few years of this, you come to hate the calendar. I used to pray for the day I didn't know what cycle day I was in. I woke up and I knew I was day 10, day 15, the dreaded day 28. I was robbed of just enjoying a Friday because I knew that weekend I had to have sex. I had to take a shot. I had to pull it together because my fertility window closed. Speaking of sex, you're robbed of enjoying sex. Sure, in the beginning, it can be fun trying, but it becomes a task. Infertility robs you of intimacy. And sex becomes a calendar chore. It's a means to an end and not an intimate expression of love. One of the greatest things that, one of the greatest gifts that we're given is taken away. You lose waking up slowly and enjoying the morning because the second you wake up, you need to take your temperature, write it down, study a chart, and then make sure you get a clean catch when you pee to check if you're ovulating. The longer it goes on, the more our very sexuality is compromised. We lose the desire to be a sexual being, and in that we are robbed of our femininity. And let's not forget the men. Sure, there's jokes about how men think about sex every seven seconds, but they become a function. I know this is raw, but it's true. We lose the anticipation, the flirtation, the physical and emotional desire. Sex becomes a chore and no one likes chores. When you are unable to achieve the one thing that you're told you should be able to do, you are robbed of your very identity. And when you lose your identity, you lose everything. When you no longer know who you are, you spiral. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We lose the simple act of going out with friends because maybe it's too hard to be around them and their growing pregnant bellies. 
or it's too hard to be around their beautiful little ones, or you can simply not be around other people that do not, could not, and never will understand your pain. You lose birthdays because every year is a reminder that another year has gone by and you're still not a mother. I hated my birthday for 10 years. You lose holidays because they're brutal. Christmas is lost because you don't get to hang baby's first Christmas ornament. You lose New Year's because it's another year of tests, thermometers, shots, and knowing what cycle day you're in. You lose Mother's Day not only because you are not a mother, but it is excruciating to say Happy Mother's Day to anyone, let alone your own family members. Mother's Day is its own special kind of hell, and I'm going to give it its own episode. We lose compassion. We become self-absorbed. I hate saying that, but there's a line between grief and self-absorption. When you can't see past your own pain, you miss the gift and opportunity to care for those around you. I would get annoyed if my husband got sick because it meant we might not be able to try that month. We had a short window the way it was, and if he had a cold, it was an inconvenience. And then the guilt. What kind of monster was I? I cared more about getting pregnant than anything, and it robbed me of basic decency, or at least it felt like it did. But I didn't care. All that mattered was getting pregnant. And anything that got in the way of that, I had no space for. Nothing else mattered. I was obsessed and consumed, and I spiraled. Fast, like glitter in the wind, it got on everything. We lose sitting around the office and looking at our coworkers' baby photos. We lose social media because it's too hard to watch other people build effortlessly the family you desire. You lose your innocence. That part of you that still believes in dreams, it's damaged if not lost. You can get it back, but it looks different. It's no longer surrounded with childlike awe. I remember when we were going through some treatments and we were doing shots of HCG with timed intercourse and I had never given myself a shot before. The shots had to be given within a certain window. In an effort to cover up all we were going through, I did anything I could do to act normal, but I was not acting normal. I was standing in a porta potty in a parking lot at a UK football game giving myself a shot. I couldn't enjoy tailgating with friends because all I could focus on was not losing another month of possibility. So there I stood in a freaking porta potty, like a heroin addict hiding my addiction. And in a way, it was an addiction. Not the shots, but the effort to get pregnant. I became obsessed. And like all addicts, I almost lost it all. We lose modesty. After you have your tube shot up with dye and forced air and your uterus scraped out and biopsies with Tylenol that doesn't do jack for the pain, you're poked and prodded like science experiment. And taking off your clothes at every doctor's appointment becomes the norm. I'm surprised to this day that I stay clothed when I go to the dentist's office because I became so accustomed to stripping down every time I made a doctor's appointment. We lose normalcy. You no longer have a normal dinner, wondering if that glass of wine you had will compromise your fertility that month. You can no longer look at your husband and think, he looks good in those jeans, because you wonder if what he's wearing is good for his sperm health. You lose the security of your future. 
Who will take care of you when you're old? Who will leave? Who are you going to leave your grandmother's ring to? I lost several years with my own mother. I couldn't relate to her and she couldn't relate to me. And I lost that not just with her, but with all the women in my family and several of my friends. And for a time, those relationships were strained. You lose time. I lost my 30s, all of them. Every single year of my 30s was taken from me. Now you can argue that was a choice and you're not wrong. However, when something that you're told is your birthright, your biological and biblical purpose is taken from you, your choices become extremely limited. So you fight, you fight like hell and nothing else matters except for winning that fight. You seemingly lose your sanity. I tried Chinese herbs, cold medicine, acupuncture, meditation. I spent thousands of dollars on Eastern and Western medicine and treatments. And I actually love meditation and acupuncture is not so bad. But the point is I was willing to try anything. Legs up the wall after sex, astrologically timed sex, herbs, rubs, diets, anything anyone suggested because I was desperate. That's infertility. It makes you crazy. It makes you desperate because you're stripped literally and figuratively of everything or seemingly everything. Miscarriage has its own resume of what you lose. You lose a life a tiny human soul that no matter how long you had inside of you, when it leaves, there are no words. A life was inside of you, a life you created, a little soul that was a part of you, a part of your husband, a little soul that made you a mother. And most people shrug it off as it's something that happens sometimes, or you can try again, but the mother can't shrug that off. You lose the physical and emotional connection to another human, and it's devastating. You question everything. What did you do wrong? What's wrong with your body? Why is God punishing you? The list goes on. And then you try again, and you're robbed of the simple joy of being excited. You live in fear. You stop breathing, and it can take years to breathe again. You carry those scars forever. You look at the calendar and you think, how old the baby would have been? And what kind of little person they would have grown into? I am grateful for my Catholic faith because I know that little life I had and lost was a soul. A soul I will one day meet. But I think about that baby all the time. I never conceived again. But I'm comforted in knowing that I had this little life and I will be reunited with that little soul once again. So what could we possibly gain? This might feel a little bit like a Band-Aid, but I find it helpful to think about the simple things that someone with children doesn't get to have. I find it therapeutic to focus on and be grateful for those things that I do have and the things that I can do. I can sleep in. I can pick up and go whenever I want. I can have crystal vases on low shelves. I get manicures. I cook one meal, not three different ones to appease the masses. I can spend my weekends reading and blast old school notorious B.I.G. in my car if I want. My secret love of gangster rap aside, I think you get my point. There's some perks to not having children, or at least not having them yet. Superficial things aside, 
I can honestly say that I am closer to my husband than I would have been if we had had children. I'm not saying people that have kids aren't close. And I know it's different. And I know they are close. But we're all we have. We are a family of two. There's no little buffers, no distractions, just me and him. And sometimes I want to strangle him. And I'm sure there's times he wants to strangle me. But having 20 years with someone with no one running interference, put your marriage front and center. And I've said this before, this can make or break a marriage. But then again, I think kids can too. I also gained God. We had a complicated relationship. Why would he take this from me? I begged, I negotiated. I promised him if he gave me a child, I would give that child right back to him. I would do whatever I could to make that child a priest or a nun. I tried everything, but in the end, I had to accept that he had other plans for me. And while I wasn't happy about that, and I still have my moments where I'm saddened by it, what I gained was faith. And my faith was restored and renewed in a way that I didn't know was possible. Through my greatest emotional poverty, I was given the most spiritually fulfilling gift imaginable. But last I never forget, I went through hell to get there. When you get to a place of acceptance, whether you're continuing your journey to motherhood or start to move into acceptance of childlessness, you gain space in your heart. I'm not going to compare infertility and childlessness to religious life tit for tat, but there is a comparison to be made. Those that choose to live the religious life, a life without a spouse or children, part of the reason is so that they can have more space in their hearts to love and serve many. I've actually found this on my own journey. I'm able to be available to serve more people. My heart, my time can be given more freely without having to put anybody else first. I'm able to be available to more people. It's something I'm drawn to. None of these replace the desire to have a child. That hole will always be there. But that's how grief works. That which you grieve never leaves you. But it doesn't have to define you. I mentioned earlier how we lose our identity. It doesn't matter if you deal with infertility for three months, three years, or an entire lifetime. You are irrevocably changed. That's not necessarily a bad thing. In some ways, it's a gift that many never get. When we step back, we can start to see who we're going to be. Not who we were, because who you were is no longer. She's been mortally wounded, and her place is who you are. And who you are has seen some hard truths. Who you are has been knocked around a lot and is learning how to dodge the punches. But who you're going to be on the other side of this well, she's a straight up badass and you need to fight for her because we gain compassion. We gain insight. We gain sensitivity. We can read a room. We gain perspective that many never have. And while painful at times, that perspective is a gift. We gain resilience and resilience is knowing it's going to be okay. Even if it's not the outcome you planned and it makes you stronger than you knew possible. The thing we forget when we're going through loss, when we are grieving, is our pain does not define us. It changes us. 
it makes us grow. It strengthens us. Infertility does not define you. Your ability to conceive does not define you. And I'm sorry to say, but motherhood does not define you. These things shape you. But you can control how, and the how is what defines you. The how is your compassion, your wisdom, your love. What defines us is our morals, our values, our integrity. What defines us is our faith, our openness to God, and our capacity to love others. Infertility and miscarriage changes you. There is no argument there, but it is not who you are. Infertility and miscarriage are things your body does, or rather doesn't do. Maybe you know why, maybe you don't, but that is not who you are. We often confuse what we can and can't do with who we are or are not. We associate infertility and miscarriage with failure, with brokenness, with separation, and the abnormal, something to be ashamed of. But you are not a failure. You are not broken, and you are not abnormal, and you have nothing to be ashamed of. I think one of the issues in our society is that anything that is not exactly the fairy tale, the 2.5 kids in a white picket fence with a dog, is perceived as wrong, or weird, or less than. I'm reminded of a quote from a Marcus Pearson painting. If you don't know his work, I encourage you to check it out. He paints these really cool images of coyotes, but they always have these incredible quotes. They tell these little stories. And my favorite that has been a mantra in my life for many years, and one that has held different meanings for me at various stages of my life, it says that many had ventured farther and done so in finer style bothered me not. My journey was my own, and I found it to be quite spectacular. I pray you find your journey compared to others bothers you not. I pray this journey, though difficult and painful at times, shows you how spectacular you are. I pray you are able to embrace the suck and in it find love and peace and resilience. I pray, though challenging, you know that even if you don't get the family you imagined or when you imagined it, that you find that you are strong and whole, scars and all. And I pray that in all you lose, you gain so much more. I hope this episode brings you some forward healing. Join me next week when we talk about the importance of self-care, what it is and what it should and should not be in your forward healing process. Thank you for listening. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us.